All right, welcome to session three of How to Read Our Bible, the story of Scripture. And one of the important things, I think, for us to, to remember is anytime we see something, there's always a story attached to it. Human beings don't just take in facts. We, we always put a story on it. And so I'm here with Joseph. Uh, I'm from Indiana. Joseph is from California. And so I just wanted to ask Joseph, Uh-oh. The, first, the first time you started telling your Californians you know, the Californians in your life. Uh, Californians. <laughs> yes. That you're moving to Kansas. What happened? <laughs> I just distinctly remember one of my close friends. I told him, and he just started, he just busted up laughing. <laughs> and and the worst part about it was, like, I knew I knew exactly what he was feeling and thinking. Because when I was told about this residency years before even coming here, I, I immediately said, I will never move to Kansas. Yeah. And that's basically summarizes how Californians feel about Kansas. Now, not based on anything, but that's the narrative we hold about this yeah. place. Well, and people from Indiana judge Kansas, too. I rented a car from my hometown one time, and the guy, he looked at my license, and he saw Kansas, and he just went, Kansas, what's that like? And I was like, dude, it's... <laughs> It's exactly like the town we're in right now. It's a suburb of Kansas City. and What's the deal with that, man? Why why does Kansas get such a hard rep? I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I'd probably because if you drive 20 minutes west of where we are sitting right now, there's no inhabitants of that land, and that's the case for the next six hours, but I don't know. I uh, One of my favorite things was Andrew walked in with a, a shirt with, like, Kansas on it, and from a distance it just looked like, a rectangle box and you get up close and it said Kansas. I was like, yeah, man, I think that's part of the problem. <laughs> but, you know, All it's right, been now, great being here. Now that no one's listening hey, anymore because right. we've offended their homestay. Uh, hey, we live here now too. Uh, but no, what we want to talk about in this session is is the story of, of Scripture. And I think one of the questions probably that, that's big is when we think about authority, when we think about story, how do those things uh, interplay with one another? How can Scripture be a an authoritative word from God if it's ultimately a story? I think it's a, it's a really good question, and, and in part because I think sometimes we think of authority as like a command or you know doing what you're told. As, as we talked about in the past session, when we think of Scripture, kind of one of the primary things that it is is, is a story like that God spoke from Genesis into Revelation, and, and it looks forward to the future. It's not a complete story. But it's a story nonetheless, and so that begs the question, how does a story relate to other stories in our context, but also what does it mean for a story to bear authority on my own life? I think that's a particularly relevant question, too, in terms of um, our contemporary moment, in terms of in terms of postmodernism. Does that term resonate when I say postmodernism? I don't... I mean, maybe to me, but what, is, what do you mean? So postmodernism is exactly what it sounds like it came after modernism. Post That's right. Modernism. Yeah. It's postmodern. Basically what it is is it's a, it's a rejection at its heart that there's any one story or sometimes it's referred to as a meta narrative um any any narrative that explains all of reality. We can't know that that our understandings are are fixed by our social location, our cultural location, our our gender, our race those things, and, and we're, we're locked into a system, and that even gets applied to language, to uh, books. And so you come to Scripture, and I don't know if you ever heard anybody say this, um, something along the lines of, well, that's just your interpretation. Um, and, and what sits behind that is 
is this postmodern lens that that we can't know anything outside of our own minds, and our minds have been trapped by uh, our bodies, by our social cultural location, by language. Uh, the way I've heard it described as well, and this might land with people, is it's a suspicion of power. So mm. the moment I start saying, I have the true take on reality, I can use that to then keep you in place. I yeah. can use that to be um, in power over you. So it's, it's some of what we saw, I think, even this summer with some of um, the questions around uh, of George Floyd's death, which is always be on the side of the oppressed because the people in power, they have a story that they are um, using to keep people um, in place. And so it's a suspicion of power, which is a suspicion of a meta narrative that explains all right. of the universe. Um, and so it, is that what you're getting at? Yeah. And I think the reason why that's an important explanation is um, that relates directly to modernism. So when you think of modernism, think of like enlightenment, think of 18th century, 19th century. People came along and especially talking about scripture and, and they questioned the authority of tradition, that tradition of the church. Um, tradition that is in with, within scripture can't be trusted. And what can be trusted is the self, that I can know things by reason. I can reason myself into truth. And so that was the big push of modernism, especially in terms of biblical interpretation that, hey, let's, let's get rid of all the silly things about miracles because we can't prove that. Right. That we don't see miracles in our world. And, and obviously this is um, Europe. So that would have been much different in other parts of the world. Yeah. And then postmodernism took it an even step further and saying, no, we can't even trust our own reason. And that relates to uh, two kinds of authority. And so just bear with me here for a second. There's, there's authority that is extrinsic and authority that is intrinsic. It feels like a lot to bear. It is, man. Should we still move forward with it? Try. <laughs> so authority that's extrinsic. Um, so for example, if you were to go to a doctor and say you have some sort of problem, uh, we had Matt Swan on on a previous episode. So you come to Matt Swan and you say, hey, I've got uh, some sort of issue I'm dealing with. And he would tell you, here's the medication, roll with it. That to me would be extrinsic authority. I can't verify, I, I don't have the knowledge to verify that that thing is good and right, but I'm trusting on his on his word that he has the authority to speak in it. Unless you've seen like a commercial during a football game, and then then you have the authority to question Matt Swan. That's absolutely like, that's absolutely. Hey man, right. I, I wa- during the halftime of the Chiefs game, I saw this, so therefore, I think our our level of education is probably similar at this point. That's absolutely yeah. right. And the way that translates to scripture is that scripture has extrinsic authority in the sense that it's spoken by God that it bears the authority of God. Intrinsic authority, on the other hand, is something that we can know and reason by our own selves. So say, for example, that you and I are just talking about some cold that I have, and you say, oh, man, well, if you're sneezing and you got a sore throat and you can't smell, you, you have COVID. Well, I can verify that because I, I know that those are reasons. And so intrinsic refers to a knowledge or authority of scripture that we can verify our own selves. And the way that translates into story is that if God has given us a story to live in and we start to live into that story according to scripture and it bears the fruit that we expect it to bear, say even the fruit of the spirit, like gentleness, patience, love, kindness, those things, then that bears an authority in and of itself. It's self-validating. Okay. Well, that's it, guys. That's the end of our podcast today. No, okay. So I thought why, you were just getting going, and then you just stopped. Well, you know, I just 
<laughs> so here's why that's important. How is scripture authoritative as a story? Well, one of the things to think about is the intrinsic kind of authority that it should bear on our lives. In other words, that it's presenting a story that competes with other stories versus, for example, what Islam would say versus what postmodernism would say, that we are the authors of our own selves, our own identities. It competes against that and offers us a story to live into that is characterized by the key primary moment of the story, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus. In other words, what we don't have is an authoritarian story, as postmodernism claims, but a story marked by grace, by gift, by service, by sacrifice, by love. And as we live into that story, that it becomes self-authenticating, that we become more and more aligned with that story. Yeah, at the center of the Christian story is is ultimately not a truth claim to hold people in subject, even though it is an authoritative story to tell us how to live. The center of the story is God dying for his for his enemies. And and I think a part of what I find helpful about that framing is at least when I grew up in the church, it was like there are a bunch of ideas floating out there, bad ideas, and you need to stay you need to guard against those bad ideas. And it's like I always knew what the bad ideas were, but when they're encoded in story the ideas are not what are front and center. Instead, it's it moves your heart, it moves your emotions, it captures you into into more of a narrative. And by pointing out that uh, there are competing narratives in our own cultural day, not just ideas, I think is a helpful frame into how we should be reading the Bible, which is not just what are some ideas about God, but what's the story He's inviting us to live into that's more authoritative because it's true as yeah. opposed to the the, the stories that, that we're told. Um, a question that kind of out of that, you know, one of the things that people often say is, or ask is, do you read the Bible literally? <laughs> so uh, how does story in- interact with that? And do you read the Bible literally? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Should I no longer be a pastor here by saying that? Oh, it depends what you're about to say. So go ahead and we'll see. Yeah. So I think a lot of times that can kind of be a, a trap question. And I, I read this this great book that no one should read because it takes forever to read. It's called, Is There a Meaning in This Text? by Kevin Van Hooser. And he has this great line. He says, the literal sense is the literary sense. Well, what the heck does that mean? It feels that, say that again. It feels like that's important, but I don't, I don't know if it should be yet. It's the literal sense mm-hmm. is the literary sense. What does that mean? So here it is. Sometimes when people say, you know, do you read the Bible literally? They, they want to know, do you take every word of the Bible as if it corresponds directly to reality. So in other words, there's no way that's true. There's no way we read that way. For example, there's poetry. If I were to open up a poem in, in the Bible and read, talk, talk about God having wings or, he, or God being a shelter or casting a shadow, um, Isaiah 41, you know, he lifts us on wings like eagles. Does God, does God have wings that he's lifting us on literally? Maybe. Well, that's not my experience. <laughs> So, so in that sense, the answer would be, would be no. If that's what you mean by yeah. literally, then the answer is no. What, what Kevin Van Hooser is getting at, the literal sense is the literary sense, is that in Scripture, there's all these different kinds of genres. And we talked about this in the previous session, that uh, you have poetry, you have narrative, you have uh, wisdom literature, you have law and each of those things require different expectations of how you would read. And, 
And that's that's just common experience. I mean, we, we do that when you watch someone who, who is, is doing stand-up comedy. You listen to that very differently than Joe Biden's inauguration speech. You're not you're not taking a different different comedians seriously the way you take Joe Biden seriously. And so the literal sense then is what that would mean in regards to the tools and in regards to the way it's communicating. Well, and that we're going to go there in terms of the class, like how how you read the prophet Isaiah is very different than how you read the gospel of Luke, for example. And, yeah. and so that when we talk about reading the, not reading the Bible, literally it's a lot of, all that means is taking those distinctions, important taking genre and actually reading, not so much, uh, to literally interpret everything that's being said, but actually, what did the what's the author trying to convey here? Right, right. What's the what's the intent of this speech as opposed to, oh, he said God has wings, so I guess they're really big. Um, you know, that's that that's that doesn't work um, when you you read it through the whole scripture. And I think because you, you you framed it too, and I and I'm thinking I'm not sure how well I answered how is scripture authoritative as a story, and and the ways that that this connects is if if the Bible in general is say the genre of, of narrative, and it's more complex than that, but let's just say it is, then how is this, this speech act, this word given to us by God, supposed to be applied to our lives? And I think, I think the two categories that we should think about for the authority of Scripture as story, as this, this literal sense in this literary way, is through the categories of wisdom and creativity. And here's why I say that, is because the reality is that the Bible doesn't speak into a lot of things that we do in our life, right? It doesn't, it doesn't speak directly to when I wake up in the morning and I brush my teeth. It doesn't speak into most of the uh, choices I have to make in my day at work. And, and that's most people's experience. Uh, it does have commands that are very specific, but at the same time, there's a lot that it's not speaking directly to. And this is the category of wisdom, that you take principles and in this case, a storyline, and you become an actor within that. How, how would someone in this story act the way they're supposed to? A preeminent scholar, N.T. Wright from the UK, also um, Kevin Van Hooser has this same idea. They talk about scripture as this, this drama, this scenes in act, and there's different scenes in scripture. And you get to the, the final act, that's Act 5, which is basically like the New Testament letters, and it ends in Revelation. So we're still in the middle of Act 5. And our job is to be improvisers. Our job is to receive the script of, of Scripture and learn it so well that we can now act in this play according to the author's intention, that is, God's intention. And so when we think of literal sense, literary sense, authority of Scripture, we want to we so embody it that we're living out of a wisdom and a creativity of, of that story. Uh, does that does that connect to you? To me, that's a really powerful analogy. How, how do you relate to that? I mean, knowing Van Hooser, it does connect with me because, like you said, a lot of choices we have to choose every day. The Bible does not speak to directly. What vocation should I? Right. I mean, it does. Like, there's certain vocations I shouldn't do. Um, how much? What do I do with my money? Right. There's some broad principles, but there's no there's no legalistic like do this, this, and this. And so, um, by inhabiting the story, then then we can we can improvise our own way into what it looks like to live out the way of Jesus in my own personal life by what God has given me. A C.S. Lewis quote that reminds me of is Lewis talked about 
um, how uh, how similar all the tyrants of the of the earth are, but how gloriously different are all the saints. And I think about mm. the Christians that I that I've read biographies that I find really compelling, whether it's Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Mother Teresa. Those are two very different people and yeah. improvised very different lives. You know, Bonhoeffer became a spy who tried to kill Hitler. Mother Teresa became a server of the poor in the worst parts of Calcutta, India. But both were living out as as you know actors in a drama, right? Living out the authority of Scripture in their own way, and so I think that creates some space for for creativity, for beauty, for individuals to live out the way of Jesus um, in in their own unique way, right? And I really I think this gets so practical into like I think I think of the realm of evangelism. You know, I, I don't know how much time you spent, you know, training people in evangelism or talking about evangelism, but some people get so caught up in different ways, like do the Romans road, or here's the four spiritual laws, or you got to do alpha. And the reality is that evangelism looks so different in so many ways that that is fitting to you as a person, right? That God created a new person with individuality, with imagination, with creativity that is uniquely positioned in a, in a culture and a vocation and a job. And, and your job is not to do what everyone else is doing or to do the same exact things that even that we see in, in the New Testament. Um, things even look different. And so how this even speaks to that is it, it frees us, right? The most mature believer is not the one who imitates everyone, but is able to live uniquely in their own situation, but according to the script that God has unfolded uh, from Genesis to the end, having all of it in view, the past and where we're ending. Yeah, I was thinking about, I don't know what this has to do with what we're talking about, but I kept, I just watched a documentary on the Heaven's Gate cult and oh. they all... <laughs> They all had the same uniform and same like really weird haircuts, and I, like I think so much of like why religion kind of weirds people out is because it it becomes this like very conformist like, you know, you need to be like this and do like this. And I think the church often is sort of like that, where every Christian should act. You know, we're all we're all good boys and girls. That's sort of the the yeah. vision that's presented. Whereas I think that the, the idea of seeing Scripture as authoritative, acting in a play, out the drama of God, I think creates some space for just unique ways of inhabiting what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, and what excites me, even as I think about our own church, and how many different people are in different places, wherever they're at on Monday, living out the way of Jesus very differently. Like, right. that's exciting. Um, and is why we want people to read our Bible, ultimately, is, right. is to express the way of Jesus in their own unique unique way. Right. You know, I, I keep going back to that that phrase that we have of, you know, how to read our Bible, that that postmodernism isn't isn't totally invalid that that there is some truth to we we are limited in certain ways and and we need the help of other people the way they are understanding the story of scripture the way they're applying it in their lives to enliven our imagination to see uh, new aspects of the story that are true because they're in scripture but we might have missed because um, of certain things about our experience and so we we need one another to help live out this story and 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 together we're 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 doing this in unique ways, individual ways, but also spurring one another's uh, of faith and 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 walk in that sense. All right, I think we covered like, some good territory, extrinsic and intrinsic authority. I'm still not sure I know what that means, but it was it sounded good. You know, um, you could just re-listen. Who knows? Rewind. Uh, so we'll we'll go back. Well, listen, we uh we covered uh. The Heaven's Gate cult. We covered Making Fun of Kansas. That's right. And uh, yeah, we're really grateful that you you tuned in, you listened. Hopefully this was helpful, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on our next session of How to Read Our Bible.